Cool, Andrew. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, I mean, we talked like, was it last week? It feels like it was forever ago, but uh, we had, we, we, uh, had a, a primary talk about what we can talk about here, but already like the weeks have kind of flown by. We talked about earlier on about how time doesn't seem to be constant anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it, you know what, it's weird too, because uh, as much as you feel like working from home every day, the, the days would drag on. In my world, it feels like I don't have enough time. Like I'm, mm -hmm. it's like I, I wake up and all of a sudden it's five o'clock and it's so weird. It's just a yeah. weird feeling right now. It's weird because everything's more available to you because you can like, you know, stop uh, working, go to the kitchen, make yourself food, you know, see yeah. your wife, see your kids, all this stuff. But the same thing that allows that flexibility kind of sucks up your time. Yeah, you know absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's, you're absolutely right. Like I will go downstairs, see my kids, have lunch with them, which is kind of cool. It's like we all have a communal lunch every day now. And then it's back upstairs to work and uh, the time just blows by. It's crazy. It's like normally in the office, you're kind of walking in between meeting rooms and that kind of makes things feel like it's moving quickly. I never anticipated sitting pseudo and pseudo and isolation because uh, we, we still kind of connect with our team digitally. Um, but pseudo in isolation, the day actually feels like it's actually quicker. It's super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm missing the office already. <laughs> you ought yeah. to just be able to separate life and work, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, it, that's something to be said too, that routine. It's like mm -hmm. we become like a tribe of people where you wake up in the morning and you, you go on your merry way. And yeah. this tribe, there's like a whole new tribe of people forming now, right? Around like digital fitness classes. I've seen like book clubs online now. Mm -hmm. um, me and my buddies now, we don't, it's funny, we all live in different parts of the GTA. So we've, we don't see each other unless there's like a UFC fight on. And yeah. we've formed a poker group Friday nights where we turn on house party and we, we see each other through house party and then we play poker on poker stars. Like that yes. never would have happened if this all, like if the pandemic never happened. Yeah, me and my friends are uh, doing the exact same thing tonight. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing poker. There you go. So I was glad to figure out the workaround that you're doing. But yeah. aren't there sites that do, does that? Where like, just like House Party kind of puts your face there, but you're also playing poker? I think so. I mean, we just, we did a makeshift. It was like, yeah. uh, it actually was originally a Zoom thing. Like, okay, everyone jump on mm -hmm. a Zoom and they're like, oh wait, there's an app that just allows us to really quickly connect. Um, so yeah, I've got like my laptop and then I've got like my phone on house party right there. And then, um, it's super weird. We're at a digital table, but we're all seeing each other at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So me and my friends, um, we were all, um, I guess, uh, we run startups or one, if you guys are in VCs, you guys are everywhere in different facilities, but we call our poker nights, um, the Corona stimulus package. <laughs> yeah right, i so. guess that's one way of looking at it it's definitely <laughs> way of looking at it um you know uh, taking that that stimulus money and putting it to good <laughs> use i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean it's crazy the uh, how much levels of gambling has gone up i've been looking at that just because i got interested in, in just running poker with everybody our friends yeah but people are actually out there like increasing and increasing the actual rates of it right because they're poor Sure. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. To do. Um, yeah. I mean, talking about that, like the transformation we see now in like in the technology space, right? Like people are 
what does it say? What, are the, what is that rule? Like it takes six weeks to build the habit. Well, okay. we're six weeks in to COVID to the lockdown. Yeah. Right? I think yep. it was the end of week five, six weeks it's going in. So I feel like a lot of the things that now we've gotten used to, it's going to get set as practices, right? Set as uh, habits. Yes. That's going to be very hard to break. Yes. You think about it, right? And people talk about, you know, going back to normal. I'm like, what normal? Uh, we talked about earlier on. It's like, what is going to new normal going to be like, right? Even right. the lockdown gets lifted. Uh, a lot of this stuff is still going to linger. Absolutely. Working from home, staying from home, not going out. Uh, connecting through social, connecting to Zoom, connecting through these web, web links and, and technology, mm -hmm. right? And how does that affect the state of the world? I think that's going to be interesting to figure out. Hundred percent. And even further to that, um, I feel like it's a bit of a realization that we just denied self-consciously for so long, which is we knew technology was already connecting the world in many different ways, but there were still elements, especially like from a business standpoint, that people just didn't want to accept. Like even just this, the sheer fact of being in front of a camera to talk to somebody, um, mm -hmm. that alone had been in a, like, you know, WebEx, uh, Cisco's platform mm -hmm. had been around for years, but you know, how often would you go on a WebEx call where you're actually showing yourself versus you aren't right. Um, now it's almost like these are things that already kind of existed. It's like, Hey, everyone's slowly waking up to the fact that they already had this capability and now they're finally utilizing it to its full extent. Which then, to your point, kind of starts creating these habits that um, probably should have been instilled in us from the get-go. You know, um, the ability to collaborate and the way we operate through technology. Uh, we probably could have been better off at home for a while um, mm -hmm. prior to this, right? Like, yeah. it, it's been here for a while, so. Yeah, I mean, it's really opened up a lot of people's eyes, right? I think after the initial shock work, uh, like wore off, people are like going to realize um, more on what we talked about before is how much money are we saving from like absolutely not having to go into the office, not having to drive around, not having to meal plan and just figuring things out. Like this is the epitome of bootstrapping. I posted on Facebook yesterday. I've had a full tank in my car for three and a half weeks. <laughs> and side note, I still have my winter tires on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it said it was like a blizzard a few days ago. I know, I know. We were so Markham, that, right? <laughs> so that warrants it. So I'm okay still. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the end of April, but whatever. I'm preparing for winter already. Like I'm not leaving my house. So <laughs> it is what it's it is. Brand new world, right? It's a new world. Exactly. Um, cool. Let's 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 dig, dig a little deeper into a few of the initiatives uh, uh, you're you're doing, right? So right now you're with Achu Health. Is it Achu? Yep, it's right, a chew. Some help. people call us Acu, but it's a chew. Yeah, I keep mixing them, mixing and matching those, but Acu help. And also, uh, you also read, uh, read, uh, uh, why am I blanking on that? Athlete Stack. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There we go. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we talked a little bit about, about that last time we, uh, we spoke. I uh, want to get a little dive deeper into that. Um, let's start with Acu help. Sorry, Acu yeah, yeah. help. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think we should change it to Acu. Acu sounds <laughs> cooler. Although we had a we had a meeting early this week with a pretty senior ranking of, um, executive at Apple, and he actually really liked the name. He's like, "I'll always remember you guys." Well, okay, maybe someone higher up is saying that. This is definitely name recognition, right? Absolutely, branding everything, branding over everything. Um, okay. Yeah. So with Acu, it's been interesting for us um, just to kind of give you context. Like we we've built a platform that allows you to take. Um, data around people's symptoms from a 
cold and flu standpoint and apply mm -hmm. it to understanding um, trend analysis is against where they're they're deviating against their benchmarks. So, um, you know, taking in taking as an example what we do with the Apple Watch and the iOS platform um, with users' consent, getting their health data to be able to give them a perspective as to where their health resides uh, from an optimal standpoint, and then mm -hmm. allowing them to see how they're deviating. So. You know, the, the, the typical example is the whole seven hours of sleep, 10,000 steps a day, where that's not necessarily really optimal for anyone. It's kind of what was originally stated from a, I guess, health professional standpoint. But you and I both know, you know, um, getting 10,000 steps a day right now, um, maybe actually now you probably could. Uh, but typically, like being in an office space, especially, you're not getting 10,000 steps a day. It's, it's not yeah. happening, right? Seven hours of sleep. I mean, that's another thing where that could be optimal for someone, but you know, some people like my wife, she, she flies in five hours, five hours for her. And she is like a lightning bolt. Um, and then further to that, even further, like where you're, when you're sleeping, right. Um, you might get seven hours of sleep, but you might've went to bed at 3am. So are you still mm -hmm. going to be rested? So we take a lot of those biomarkers and really understand um, how you deviate against those. And then we'll set you up with goals that are actually actionable and personalized to you. So now that we know that um, you can't do 10,000 steps a day, what is that actual number? Is it 3,000? Is it 2,000? You know, what is your lifestyle? Are you, a, are you a mom on your feet all day with your kids? Are you in an office sitting at a chair? Like, what is that? What's your profile? So based on the data we collect, it's really around getting um, a persona created for you that allows us to create goals that are actually achievable for you. Um, so that's kind of the product of what, what we built and it lives right now on Fitbit. We're doing really well there. And then it will be launching on iOS very, very shortly. And then further to that, um, you know, we run into this pandemic. And so, you know, right off the bat, coronavirus, what is that? Well, mm -hmm. you know, symptoms of a coronavirus. I mean, a coronavirus is the typical cold in some respect, right? This one particularly obviously has its nuances and, and differences. But at, at its core, a lot of the symptoms are, have been exactly what we track already. So right out of the gate, you see all these emails and, and articles and call-outs from different health and government entities saying, if you've got something, we need to talk to you, right? So right out of the gate, we were like, okay, it's our civic duty to at least see how we could repurpose what we have as a platform. And... Um, you know, money aside, grants aside, like we're Canadians, like our country is under stress the same way other countries are under stress. How can you help if you can't help, right? Um, so we've effectively built out a platform that's kind of a spinoff. Um, and so we don't predict, we can't predict COVID because we don't have the data set to, around COVID. Um, but what we can do is help with tracking symptoms within regions, um, within cities, et cetera and then further tailor that to an individual experience to understand where you reside and where those symptoms are. Um, if you're experiencing them, you can report them as well. Um, so we're, we're currently in some discussions where this could become a real thing. Um, again, we built this in a way where we just want to stay ready. Uh, it's pretty sensitive right now when you're trying to introduce technology uh, to a hospital, as an example, like for the most part, unless you've got ventilators and masks, like they don't want to talk to you, right? Like don't waste their time. And granted, so like there, like there's issues they need to deal with beyond technology. Um, but there's some interesting discussions we're having. And so we'll see how this goes. Uh, the cool part is, I mean, it wasn't a heavy lift for us to build this because again, we've already been doing this. This was a space we've already been in. Um, so it was a bit of just repurposing from a technology perspective. Um, so it's been cool. It's been an interesting experience so far.
with the pandemic. No, definitely. Um, I mean, that's really interesting that you can do this kind of analytics because all the hardware exists, Fitbit, and the smartwatches that can uh, pull all this information. Absolutely. So in this environment right now where like virtual care has become like the standard, it's, it's blowing up right now, mm -hmm. um, where doctors, not just doctors in primary care, but in allied health, uh, mental health workers, psychologists, even like midwives, um, they can't get in contact with their patients anymore. Like they shouldn't be, right? right. Lockdown and quarantine. So they're having to rely on a lot of virtual care um, providers. But the biggest limitation, I was talking to a doctor about this, I came on our podcast, is that how do you, how do you even like diagnose patients? How do you even check them? Like how right. do you check the temperature? Yeah. Like when they, they tell you they're hot, okay, how hot are you? What's the baseline? Right, do you have a thermometer? If you don't have a thermometer, how can I check you? So there's like a huge movement right now that even though the virtual care space is, is getting better, how do we better um, diagnose people, right? Using tools on hand. I mean, do we send shipments of, of like, pre, like, you know, a preset amount of tools that can check out at least a baseline um, of, uh, 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 like, of like assessments, right? You know, temperature check, pressure check, all that kind of stuff. Well, how expensive is that package? How can you get, get that to everybody? Right, but then most people, a lot of people have these commercial, commercial like um, products, smartwatches, sure, right, phones, these technology pieces that can already have some kind of sensor built in. So I think you bring up an interesting point, is that if we can pull the information from these sources and kind of link them with uh, virtual care services, um, I think that could be a very fascinating discussion. Are are you guys considering anything like that? Or yeah, absolutely. I mean, back to sort of what we were chatting about just few minutes ago where you know habits and and trends are starting to become like new habits new trends kind of thing are becoming like the norm I, mm -hmm. I think especially when it comes to the wearable market we're definitely going to see a lot more intricacy around what a wearable can do for you around your health um, yeah. you know back in January January February Tim Cook from Apple had mentioned that the watch would become like so integral to your health and that's what they've been really pushing just from conversations we've been having with Apple and understanding, um, you know, different features that are uh, kind of either rumored or already coming out on the Apple watch. There is a pretty strong um, focus point on using the watch for health, right. And wearables in general, like Fitbit's doing the same thing. Um, I read an article yesterday, where, like Fitbit and some executives there are thinking they could use Fitbit data in order to start um, predicting uh, onset of COVID-19 as well. Um, like these, these are things that, you know, from, from what you said, like they're readily available. Uh, it's just a matter of applying the technology and then adapting it. Because um, there's also this other side of the coin, which is the whole fear of uh, understanding all of this, right? How real is it? Do I really want to know what's real with my health? Um, uh, like at, on a per second basis, um, I'm doing it myself. It's not through a doctor, uh, that kind of thing. Right. So, uh, there's a lot to kind of consider with, with regards to using a wearable and understanding what is possible versus, you know, what you're pushing the boundaries with. Um, that said, I mean, we, we, we know technology is the, the source for a lot of innovation from all different types of industries. And so you got to think from a medical standpoint, um, especially the way we live today currently, um, you most likely want to be able to leverage technology to its fullest effect. So if you can get um, insights on someone's, um, you know, biomarkers, as an example, through wearable, you know, why not, right? Uh, you want to get their heart rate, you want to understand blood pressure, that kind of thing. 
you can get that today. You don't have to be in front of them. Um, I think mm -hmm. medicine and you know the, the the healthcare industry in general, it can be pretty legacy at times. We're we're very familiar with that, and there's there's obviously a security around that, right? I mean, it's it's got to be risk adverse when you're dealing with people's lives. Um, but then there there are opportunities. So it's a matter of like understanding, you know, from a wearable standpoint, especially like what could you get where you're not necessarily putting anyone in danger. You're just empowering the user, right? Making that experience better. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, I was. I'm reminded by this clients I used to have, right? There were two 90 year old uh, homeowners in North York, beautiful property, retired. Um, and they both had smartwatches. Yeah. I remember looking at them and being like, how are you operating smartwatches when you need glasses to even see <laughs> and like all this stuff. And they made me realize they're like, no, no, like this is normal. Like they control their home, the home locks Oh, right from there because they're super. They 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 have they're like I used to sell smart home technology, and they were one of my best clients. They they upgraded everything in the house. Yeah, and they figured a way through their grandkids' help to connect their smartwatch to their front door. So even their um like and like free few integration like that. But like, you know, if their heart rate drops below a certain amount or the temperature drops below a certain amount, it alerts to go to their grandkids. Mm -hmm. You know, there's alerts to go to the doctors. Their analytics are going to, uh, are being sent somewhere. And I'm like, holy crap. You know what I mean? And I started looking more into it. And the average, uh, the actual target market for uh, the biggest market for Apple Watches is actually the 50 plus range, mm. which is phenomenal if you think about it, right? Definitely. So on your more to your point, the idea of not just health, but also wellness is built into these products. Absolutely. You know, being connected to your family members and keep an eye on you, tracking you better, uh, your movements within your, within your, within your, uh, your current lifestyle, right? All those right. kind of things can be tracked. And we think about this too, when we think about medicine and the way we practice health, right? Is that, you know, you feel bad, you go to the doctor, you get prescribed something, a pill, and you walk away. You look for that quick solution. Right. But before all this, like the idea of naturopathic medicine was kind of growing, right? The idea that like, how can you build your lifestyle, become healthier, fix Definitely. your diet fix your sleep, right? Um, fix your social circumstances, fix um, what, like what you're eating, like all these same kind of things come into a factor and effect. And like further what you said before, like the idea of personalization, you know, what might be the standard uh, before was not, is not the standard unilaterally. Like you know, right. one standard could be different in baselines. So these tools can really help us personalize to the person what their healthcare needs are from diet to sleep to uh, interactions. Uh, but also help guide the next wave, I guess, of medical healthcare workers, right? Absolutely. We're yeah, not yeah. just like, oh, these are the check marks, your symptoms you're facing, here's a pill, but, you know, 15 minutes in and out of a walking clinic. Right, exactly, exactly. But more proactive as in like, here's all the data reports, this is what your profile suggests. How can we preemptively tune you to be a better human? Right. Um, and I'm really interested in this kind of version of healthcare. Because being proactive, right? Um, and it's almost like you're tuning the individual to become better. And that kind of messaging especially works really well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, for the future. So I guess from your standpoint, what do you see in this industry? Like what are the blockers? What's moving? Um, any issues happening? Well, I think we're at an interesting uh, inflection point right now, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, let's 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 not ignore the fact that this is a very un unfortunate circumstance we're in. 
um, you know, actually, to be honest, like, so like it's sitting home for me right now. My dad is in a long-term care facility. I literally found oh, out wow. yesterday that um, someone had three staff and one resident has a, uh, has, has tested positive. So he ended up getting the test yesterday and he'll find out within a couple of days if he's got it. So like, this is hitting home beyond hitting home. Um, but on the same, on the same vein, I mean, don't waste a good crisis. Uh, one of my mentors mentioned that to me and I was like, shoot, like, you're right. I mean, what are you going to do? Sit home and, and, and stir or, or figure out what is, what is the opportunity out there? Right. I mean, if you can do it, if you can't, I, I get that too, right. There's like those memes out there where, where, um, I think it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, if you don't come out of this with a new skill, whatever, then, um, you wasted it kind of thing. But then there's the other flip side, which I actually more subscribe to, which is no, well, you never, no one has gone through this in their life. So you don't know how you're going to react, uh, from a mental health standpoint, physical standpoint, et cetera. So you deal with it and cope with it any way you can. I mean, in my, in my world, uh, I'm lucky in the sense that, um, we're, we're like, as a family unit, we're, we're good. Like we've got a good routine for the kids, et cetera. And so there's, there is the ability to take advantage of this. Um, so, you know, from a business standpoint, it's like looking at, okay, how are people going to be interacting in the future now? Right. There's going to be definitely a lot of more digital, digital means and understanding um, how to get data from people without actually being with them in person or having that distance. Right. I think that'll become a lot more prevalent as we move forward in the world. And as the pandemic slowly starts to unwind, um, one of the things we're really focused on, to be honest with you, is understanding that whole nuance between the employer and the employee, right? That disconnect, disconnectedness where, you know, even further when you were in the office, how much did your employer really understand about your health, right? Uh, your mental health, your physical health, you know, your performance at your job, a lot of it is an indicator of how healthy you are, um, you know, and how much, of your, how much did your employer understand that? So prior to the pandemic, mm -hmm. that was conversations we were already having where a lot of employers were already feeling like they were disconnected from their employee base. But now here we are, where we're working from home by ourselves every day. Um, imagine just the heightened level of that, right? Especially from a mental health standpoint. You know, I, I think it's fantastic that we can connect digitally and ensure we're seeing each other daily. Uh, but there's definitely an element of being physically disconnected. You know, I've got, mm -hmm. friends, I've got friends that live in condos. Uh, I mean, a lot of people live in condos. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to live in a house, but I can only imagine being in a condo, especially if it's maybe 600 square feet, right? Like, and you gotta be cooped up in there all day. That's, that's a challenge. Uh, so we don't know what we don't know right now. To your point, it's been six weeks. Um, who knows what happened? Like, does this become like the real life version of the purge? And like people start going crazy because they just can't stand mm -hmm. being inside. I mean, we're seeing, you know, uh, definitely reactions in the United States around um, being inside and being stuck uh, away from work. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, we're really focused on understanding, like, how can you stay, how can you give an employer um, the ability to stay connected through health and wellness with their employee now, now more so than ever, right? Now really engaging with them where you're going to already be challenged with them. Um, so there's been some really good conversations on our end and I think we'll have something in the near future to be able to show for that. So it's been exciting. Absolutely. Um, was it with you that I talked about the show Billions? Uh, I think you mentioned something the last time we spoke. I don't watch myself. Yeah. You mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. the performance coaching side of things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, I've been working in sales for a long time and, you know, some people who might be listening to the podcast, you might think, you know, what does an employer 
what business do they have having access to health or the, the well-being of their workforce? Well, it's very important, right? How sure. guided your, how how um, healthy your team is, how uh, reflect directly to how productive they are, which directly goes into your business and what you're doing. And the idea of performance coaching really interests me, right? So it's it's more proactive than it is reactive. Rather than being like, you know, morale is down, let's bring in somebody to talk to somebody. Right. It's like, you know, let's have like a resource or asset or some kind of uh, procedure in the company to be like, how do we fine tune these individuals into right. become the best way they can be, right? Um, so one of my most interesting experiences was working at like a commission only sales team. 60 like raw, hungry, uh, commission-only sales, sales, uh, salespeople you know, coming together in a room trying to figure out how to move uh, a product or a service and strategizing right. to, uh, to move forward. You would think, like one of the one of the one of the lessons I have with that is like how much time you start putting into personal development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like especially in sales, managers uh, and uh, leaders spend a lot of time on talking about personal development. Right. Um, one of the main reasons I love, about, love sales is that how open that conversation is compared to other industries, right? It's like, how are you feeling versus you know, how to guide your feeling, how to, how to control yourself better. You know, yes. I had manager, I have, had, I have had leaders get up and for 40 minutes talk about you know, spiritual, spiritual well-being and how to align yourself and how to meditate and how to keep control uh, of the, how you feel better and how to identify how you feel Right? Yeah. Because, right, because it's so integral to what you do. You have to be able to guide yourself and move yourself forward and motivate yourself, you know, Absolutely. understand yourself. And these type of thinking it was new to me because you think this is such a different thing. The workplace is meant to be a professional, you know, come and go, yeah, you put yeah, up yeah, front yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. you do what you need to do. Absolutely. And spirituality, meditation, working out, all that stuff, your diet is supposed to be That's on you. you yeah. That's you, on you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? So what, uh, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on or what you're seeing about how technology is breaking this barrier, right? How are, like, how are employ employers right now utilizing this technology? Yeah, it's a good point. Because I would say that we're on the cusp of that happening. Um, there's been definitely some examples of it in the marketplace where you're seeing employers um, engage. So as an example, um, we work really, we work pretty closely with Johnson and Johnson, and mm -hmm. I would vouch they've got a pretty good engaged workforce when it comes to health and wellness. And naturally, they're a health and wellness company, so you would expect that. Um, but they they go above and beyond. Um, you know, one of the examples. Uh, and this isn't really technology, but it was just, you know, they, they started putting immunity boosters in their cafeteria and um, they aren't like, like their cafeteria isn't like, like a Google cafeteria where you just kind of take what you want, but um, the immunity boosters were there specifically for people who ever wanted it, you know, right when the pandemic started in uh, January, uh, they immediately Im implemented that. And then they started working on, okay, what's the path now when we want to engage with employees? And so they started doing virtual yoga sessions and virtual me uh, meditation sessions. I mean, a lot of that is now sort of par for the course, right? We're seeing a lot mm -hmm. of that already. Um, but I would vouch that within the, the corporate world and just business in general, that's still not necessarily really prevalent, right? You're not seeing and hearing a lot of large companies really stepping their game up. Um, yeah. and I, I came from IBM where we did have yoga classes and Zuma classes in, in the building, you know, after hours for employees or at lunchtime. Um, 
but that was um, partially just like self-serve it's kind of like okay go do it it wasn't necessarily saying like your manager saying to you hey you you should go participate it'd be good for you kind of thing and by the way i'm going to go too because i think another component to this beyond like what are we seeing in the technology space that allows for this to happen is what are we seeing from a leadership standpoint where leaders are actually saying i'm going to go do this come follow me right let me be the example of uh, what a healthy workforce looks like. And let me show you that I'm actually trying to participate as well, not just telling you, hey, go do that. I think it's good. Um, so there's a lot of nuances around that. But like back to the J&J example, I mean, they, they definitely embraced a lot of um, collaborative tooling in order to make that happen. Um, and from what I've understood so far and what I've seen uh, through minor examples with them, they, I mean, they're pretty engaged. It's, it's been very helpful. Um, you know, I think that'll just continue to go on, uh, you know, um, bring it back to home. Like my kids have a Saturday morning dance class and it's on zoom, right? So we broadcast it <laughs> on the TV, the TV in the basement and it's like, you know, eight, six year old girls on zoom, just like, hi, hi, hi. Just like screaming at each other. Right. Meanwhile, the dance teacher's like trying to, and then she's like, all right, everyone's muted mute. And then like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're still trying to chat with each other. You can see their mouths moving, but you can't hear anything. Um, yeah. you know, I think right now we're still kind of figuring it out to be honest with you i think all of the data is there when you're looking at okay we've got wearables that can kind of give you insights and the tooling is there from a collaboration standpoint we're seeing evolutions when it comes to video and conferencing and things like that um, i don't think anyone's really broken the mold though um, but then maybe we don't need to i don't know right i mean again this this stuff had been around for a while this technology you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw last night, like Travis Scott did a, a concert on Fortnite, right? Um, where it was like an avatar of Travis Scott rapping to yeah. Fortnite players jumping around with their giant battle axe. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I remember when they first did that, that was with um, Marshmallow, the, the, uh, the other performer. And I was like, okay, hey, that's yeah. the future. Like, connecting Do you play with- Fortnite? I don't, but I am wasting away playing Call of Duty right now which I need to <laughs> If I've got bags think, under my eyes right now, you'll know why. Like, <laughs> Unfortunately, one of the habits that I formed was moment the COVID happened, I dusted my Xbox, plugged it in, yep. and turned it on, and that's been a wrap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. It's, yeah. trying to, I mean, you got, you got to stay busy, right? You got to get yeah. your mind off of things. I mean, you do what you can. But so. honestly, like, I'm... I'm looking back at like my 17, 15 year old self and thinking, this is the best thing ever. Cause I'm taking sales calls yeah. and I'm playing, playing COD. And yeah, I'm think, yeah. I was always thinking my, in my younger days, I'm like, how can I blend my work and Xbox Absolutely. together? Absolutely. You know? And I'm like, I'm living the, my 16 year old dream. <laughs> my, so <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little transparent. So I came up to bed last night at like 2 AM and my yeah. wife is like, why are you, li- why are you living like you're 16 right now? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a very good question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, back to my earlier like we don't know how we would react through all of this. Um, frankly, I know for a fact I'm not going to sustain a life from staying up till 2 a.m. every day. That's just not going to yeah. be not going to happen. Um, you know, maybe that starts to morph into something different. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, with the technology the way it is today in our world. Um, staying connected is so easy. So now it's a matter of how do you form your routine around that, right? Um, we're so used to having that like intertwined between 
the world being connected through our phone or laptop and then being able to kind of shut that away other way other like through maybe you have a really long commute like I do where I go downtown and then I can't be connected to anybody other than like taking a phone call um, so that's kind of like the initial connection and then also getting home from work and then there's family time dinner etc and staying disconnected um, but now we're not like there isn't much of that happening so how do you compensate now like I know for a fact I probably shouldn't be in front of my laptop as much as I am right now um, but I'm compensating for the fact that I'm just home all day and that's that's what it is um, so it's a matter of I guess maybe figuring what does that new norm look like too right staying connected Absolutely. but also still disconnecting yeah I mean I just want to shift back a little bit to um, your project with that actual health and what you're working on right so I just want to clarify, are you guys like a consumer app? Are you a B2B app? Like what, what exactly is your business model? Yeah, so we've, we've got both. Uh, from the consumer side, it's your typical health and, well, not typical, but it's a health and wellness pl platform, uh, both on Fitbit and um, the iOS platforms with the Apple Watch. Uh, and so that just gives you perspective of your personal health and you, you feed it data, it gives you back insights uh, and personalizes that experience back to what we described. And then on the enterprise side, um, that's where it gets pretty interesting because we're able to provide experiences that uh, are unique to employers. Uh, so there's four key buckets we play in. Uh, workplace wellness being the first one, which we've kind of been speaking about. And then we've got uh, retail pharma, where we're able to kind of take data that um, users would input from a symptom standpoint. And so this is completely opt-in. This isn't like we're taking data and then using it for marketing purposes. Uh, this is simply the users saying opt-in, uh, I have a runny nose, I have a headache, and then here's your offer for uh, said pharmaceutical that might help with that ailment. Um, the third bucket is clinical pharma. So um, we will be working with a really major pharmacy, pharmaceutical company. Uh, we just signed a contract for it uh, with, uh, with a first clinical trial happening in September. Um, and so the ability to understand user symptoms and back to us being able to kind of follow that trend and understand deviations against that trend. Uh, when the, the key with a pharmaceutical company is administering the drug, when is the right time to administer the drug to understand the um, efficacy of the drug? So oftentimes they might administer it too late and so you'll never know if the drug actually worked or not when they're experiencing mm -hmm. symptoms. So we're able to kind of flag when someone's about to experience a symptomatic episode and then send that a notification saying, hey, go see the pharmacy. You're experiencing X, XYZ, go get the proper drug. And then the fourth bucket, which uh, we started to explore in January, but uh, just because of the pandemic is, has died down for now, is fatigue risk management in aviation. So understanding from a pilot and a cabin crew standpoint, um, how tired are they really, right? So we have the ability to understand fatigue levels through personalizing um, the data we collect in our app. And the idea is to be able to show a true value for that on a personal level. Right now, right now in aviation, they'll do a biomath biomathematical model that will give you a generalized view of, of how tired someone might be based on their demographic, i.e. 50-year-old uh, male pilot. Um, this is how tired they should feel kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's a generalization, and so we're able to tailor that to a very specific um, uh, use case, which is the actual pilot themselves. And the idea is to be able to give a better view. So they'll create... so. Air, major airlines will use what's called fatigue risk management systems and what these are are like kind of like really large scale platforms that manage the pilots 
where they have to check in and, and give reporting on how they feel. And it's all related back to, you know, how tired and fatigued they are because obviously they're operating a giant um, aircraft that could be very detrimental if they don't operate it properly. Uh, and so what we're, what we were chatting with, with the likes of FedEx and Air Canada was around um, how could you personalize that to your pilots and your cabin crew uh, and, and leading up to the flight, give them better perspective as to how fatigued they are. So four key buckets on the enterprise side that we've been actively playing in. It's been fun. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting bucket, but I, I think my real interest here is um, with your tool, is it, are you trying to go more into assisted care or like more like a virtual care kind of situation where like your, your tool is now assessing people based off the biometric data and are prescribing like actual clinical things to do or is it, does it go to like actual clinician to better diagnose it, right? So for example, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Okay, I mean, in, in a perfect world, we, so firstly, we, we, we will never diagnose, right? I mean, we, we aren't considered a, a, a medical device or, or a clinically approved company. Um, what we're giving you is analytics against when you're deviating against your health ben benchmarks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, tech, so very, very uh, simplistically, um, it's a mathematical model at times that's just showing you statistically when you feel a certain way and then when you deviate against how you feel, right? And so understanding when you're starting to deviate against that, we can give you trending analysis. Uh, and obviously the more data you have, the better the trend gets and the more accurate it is. So at this point, we've got a very robust data set that can show you that. Um, we are actually actively um, starting a research project where we'll be able to give you like a good view of from a research standpoint, um, the clinical uh, aspect of what we do. But the idea for us is to be able to show you that deviation against your health benchmarks. And then, yeah, in a perfect world, which you were about to say, I apologize for cutting you off. Yeah. Um, we would love to be able to create that pipeline where it, it then um, the next step is to go to a pharmacist or a doctor and um, be like, okay, here's the data set you make the assessment, you decide based on the patients what is needed for uh, a healthy outcome. Uh, that is kind of where we've looked at starting to go. We actually had a conversation um, about that with a very renowned uh, health tech organization. They do cell phones and other things. They're, they're very massive. Yeah. Um, and they had said, actually, we were probably a little bit too uh, early for our time. Um, just because, uh, especially from a, an EMR standpoint, um, you know, there's already other solutions there that pharmacists or doctors are trying to do. I mean, my dad, uh, we had an interesting summer with my dad before we got him into his long-term care, long care facility. And the paperwork, I can just like, holy cow, like the paperwork was insane. Yeah. I'm like, why can't you guys just transfer this digitally to each other? Like, why can't you just share it? And each individual can't, can't do it, just can't. And I, I understand that, but obviously that's not the most efficient way of doing things. It just isn't, it's not right. Um, so, I mean, that alone needs to be solved before we even look at, okay, here, <laughs> here is this like emerging innovative technology that would help you uh, with your patients, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll happen eventually, right? I think, and even further, it's, it's I would say that's a Canadian um, uh, viewpoint. There's other parts of the world for sure that most likely this could take place sooner than later. Uh, so we are looking at other parts of the world as well at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think people have this alignment that, um, especially our healthcare industry was less like 
conceptualized and constructed uh, in, in a master planned way. Whereas in reality, everything's kind of been like ad hoc, added together and layered on top of each other, like old processes on top of new, Absolutely. new equipment on top of old. And a lot of those things don't communicate each other. And a lot right. of things happen in isolation. And uh, I think EMR, uh, EMR integration has become like the guiding light behind that, but it's just showcasing like the pool of information and informatics and processes that don't communicate, especially in healthcare in the healthcare industry. Right. And we talk about you know how inefficient it is or how many how much lineups we have. In the front-facing side, uh, we can see the issues the healthcare system has, but on the back end. It's a, it's a nice bird, right? You see the tip and you're like, oh man, that's so bad. Right. We don't notice like the pool of information in the back end that is just backlogged and just like, it's kind of sliding along. Um, so this is, it's really interesting what you guys are trying to do, um, both from a consumer standpoint and an enterprise standpoint. One of the things I would really be interested in is, you know, this profile you're talking about, you know, this is my profile of my data, of my health, right? How can I assign that in a clear and safe way one to my doctor so they can have proactive information about my health but also maybe to a life coach sure. who's looking into my sleep patterns right maybe my fitness trainer looking into my dietary patterns right and within within like you know we have a, an automated process tool that kind of reports back to you about what you what, who you are and what you're doing but also you have these trained i guess professionals or specialists who are now looking at it who are diagnosing it from different aspects Definitely. And giving more proactive information, right? Yeah, there, there's like a whole ecosystem out there for sure. Um, yeah. I look at it like we're 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 actively talking to a pretty reputable major physiotherapy um, organization right now that has several locations in GTA across North America, et cetera. And that's the whole that's the name of the game. Like, how could you engage with people where now you're creating personas and profiles for them, and um, set them up with the right care? But again, back to us it's like okay we give you that data here's the data for you to go and use um to better assess what that person actually needs right um you're right it, it, there's there's absolutely a use case for this um you know i think i think we eventually arrive there in some shape or form um you know i think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this whole contact tracing thing as an example because i think this is like the most uh bold the boldest, I think, technology statements that um, companies have made were like, okay, let us get access. Well, let, let um, you, you turn on your phone and your, your, your Bluetooth and um, let us help you figure out when, where you're being tracked, right? Um, and obviously, like, there's a little privacy element of it and all that. Um, but, like, would you ever have thought that, devices would actually i mean the the jury the jury jury's out on like google and google maps and gps and all that we all know that you know your location is being tracked but i mean it's being tracked because you're obviously using a map um but there's always been that stigma but now all of a sudden it's like now you're sort of being tracked uh for your healthcare purposes um and it it technically i mean to be honest with you, it feels like as if you almost, if you, if you equate it to Google Maps, it's like if you kept Google Maps on all day long, then you're being tracked all day long anyway, right? Um, but the thing is, this is now for like the everyday consumer to understand where, they're, where they've been, what they've been in contact with, who they've been in contact with. Oh, and by the way, there's this deadly virus that you're trying to avoid, right? Um, 
So I don't know, like it, it's an interesting time where does this contact tracing technology, as an example, open the floodgates to new innovations and people become more susceptible or, or more willing to accept um, and the, 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 the line drawn is now pushed further. So now people are like, okay, I'm actually okay with that. I mean, my whole theory has been all along, like how often do you actually look at the terms and terms of service agreements when you click accept? You never, never. do, right? Yeah. You, you want to get to your thing as soon as you can. They could be saying, hey, we're going to take your firstborn from you. You didn't even see that. Like no one looks at that anyway, yet there's still that stigma. So I feel like maybe this is a, an interesting time for, for this to all take place. And you start seeing what you're like, what you're describing around having that like profile created for you where it, it's now shared and you're like, yeah, I'm cool with that. You know what? I, 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 I didn't realize it in the past, but I'm actually already giving consent to all these parties anyway. So why not actually try to help myself? Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting time. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talk a lot about it on, this, on, on the podcast, but how do we create like almost like an internationally recognized like passport, like a data passport, right? Each individual person has like an account where like all their data is stored just so it's one, it's, it, it's visible as a person. Hey, this is, all, this is all the data that you have that's like floating around everywhere. And it's kind of like, it's a, kind of like centralized for you. Right. But two, the data is more rich, right? I mean, Right now, our data is fragmented across all these different providers to kind of, kind of hoard it amongst themselves because it's so valuable. They think they believe it's so valuable, but if you pull it together, it actually becomes more enriched. Right? Absolutely, pulling your you know your entertainment history with your healthcare information to your sleep patterns, uh, to your driving record. Like you know, the more the more points you put in, it's like an exponential value to the actual um, the, the data once we once we're done with it. I'm really interested in these profiles, data profiles that we built based off these aggregations yeah, you know, from yeah, yeah. various systems. Well, even further to that, um, you know, there's the whole stigma around your data being used to for marketing purposes, et cetera, right? What if you could take all that data, combine it now, now you got a great, great profile, and now you can go auction it off to like RBC and be like, all exactly. right, here's Absolutely. my data. It's worth $15, right? And there's like a value behind it and you go sell that. I mean, who wouldn't do that in all honesty, right? Like, I'm pretty sure the majority of people in the world, I mean, granted, I mean, I understand the privacy implications, blah, blah, blah. But if you had control over that, you'd be like, yeah, I'm cool if you want to know my purchase history. I went to Markville Mall, I went to the mall, whatever, and I went, you know, and bought stuff from Walmart or what have you. I don't care. Cool. You know, I bought hot dogs. You want to buy that from me? Perfect. Go yeah. nuts. Go, go buy that data from me. Well, I think like real, true, enriched data has actually worked a lot. Like if you look at like Facebook, when Facebook was uh, like finishing their pre, before, before the IPO, one of their last rounds when they're raising, they valued that like they have no revenue other than ad revenue. They valued each, each individual person on their network as being valued at $125 USD. That's right. the value of the data. I remember that. I remember that. Right. And it was just like a mind blowing thing. It was like in 2015. Right. That's just one platform taking the data that they collect on you, the user, mostly self-reported and by some other people, crowdsourced, which was $125. Imagine aggregate that with all these other platforms you sign up with and, and have your Google Maps data, right? Your Netflix accounts. Sure. And you watch there. Yeah, aggregate, I think it's, yeah, I, mean, I think it's, it, it actually becomes very valuable. You Absolutely. now have like a digital clone of who you are. That's the ultimate repository of information, who, what you like and what your preferences are yeah. that companies can, can interact with. Like one of the interesting thoughts 
I think about it, is like the next Google is going to be a search database, but for machines. Oh, interesting. How, how to query each other, right? So if your data can be stored in this kind of, in, in a query pool, where it's all, all together, and now you have these restrictions, who can access, who can't, who can transact with it, the paywall. Well, right. then I think there could be a potential future for like these machines to talk to each other. This, this, this data pool that you have communicating with the resources that you're, you're allow, allowed to, that's right. transacting, buying and selling the data, accessing the data as needed. So if they want to market to you, they, gotta, they, they can pay, they can do this, right? So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the ultimate tool here is someone who figures out not just how to get the data aggregated to one pool set, but how to secure it and give it to the people, right? Give it back to the individual. Yeah, yeah. And further to that, though, then what is it worth? Like, who decides what the marketplace is? I've been super fascinated with that. Like, um, you know, I mean, I guess a bit of it is supply and demand and the uniqueness of the data. Like, where is it coming from and what does it represent? But I, I, I mean, it, it almost, I mean, in some respect, there's a bit of like a cryptocurrency element to it where um, the supply and demand kind of dictates what the, what the price is and what it's worth uh, but that would be super interesting too like who is the entity then right that becomes a whole new ball game because that entity becomes a very powerful entity very quickly you know is it a government you know they say they implement it is it a bank is it you know just a brand new company that starts to create this auctioning platform of data um yeah very very interesting I, I i don't think we're that far off from that to be honest with you i i mm -hmm. I, I can like what we're discuss we're discussing and describing right now i i don't it's not far-fetched right I, I think this is naturally the way the world goes towards and further maybe even it, it's it's a new social network right it's it's like you join this social network because you know your data is going to get sold and you can control that data so you don't care because you use a social network knowing what you know. Mm -hmm. So you share what you want knowing that um, it's not going to be yours. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's the way the world goes towards. Yeah. It's almost like a database social network. It's like, you know, like this is everyone's yeah. data database, uh, the actual, all the data stored and the data is communicating different things. And these have interoperability of and see and like pretty much visualization of who's accessing what and where things are stored and where things are. Or maybe but Facebook yeah, ends up like saying, hey, we actually want to start paying you for your data. Yeah, I don't think that'll ever happen. <laughs> I don't know. That's their entire model. They have, they have a paywall set in front of data sets, right? I know, I know. But like, could you imagine though? Like, it's like Google or like Facebook did that. Yeah. I think it'd be a power move. I mean, it's stepping outside the comfort zone. It's a huge business opportunity. I mean, now you create a two-sided marketplace almost where now the user gets money and in return they, that data gets sold off to the people they've already they've already been selling to but then maybe now you get a better richer data set because now i know my data is going to be used and oh and by the way if you try harder to share your data or try harder to do certain actions it'll actually be worth more so it, for instance maybe i'm you know maybe i'm trying to sell my data to a a car manufacturer and they care really, they care a lot about my, my purchase history on how adventurous I am and, and where do I spend my time on weekends because the, the model of car they're trying to sell me is, is catered to that kind of lifestyle. Okay, well maybe then I try harder to actually go spend time in adventurous settings like rock climbing or something like that, right? And, and create that data set for myself and then go back to them and say, okay, here's the data you were looking for now. Like, here you go kind of deal, right? Could you imagine you can only buy this car if you went rock climbing twice? <laughs> 
I mean, who knows? This is all, you know what we're doing right now? We're actually writing a Black Mirror episode as we speak. We are. This is exactly what it is. It is. is. Right? Like, think about that too. Like, instead of, instead of a car company spending like a billion dollars developing a new model, new line of cars, like a new model of car, and then spending like hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing campaigns, you know, projecting something onto the car, rugged, you know, all terrain, right? Off-roader. When ninety nine percent of the people using it is never gonna take it and utilize it for that for that point exactly. of view. Exactly. Exactly. Right? They're selling they're selling through a story, through a narrative to convince you to buy this. But rather than that, knowing what you actually want and being able to market towards that, I think that's super interesting, right? Hundred percent. No, I agree. Um, wholeheartedly. It, I think that is the future. I think we see that come in, in waves though. I don't I mean that's there's no way that's happening overnight, but um, I don't know. I, I, I think it depends on what data, you know, what, you know what industry I actually think would be the industry that would start that. I think it would be gaming like esports, because there's such an interconnected community there where um, there's a sense of trust for sure. And also people are so used to like in-game purchases. I would be curious to see like, Hey, show us your game data. Um, how often you're playing or, or what games you're playing and get a reward for it kind of deal. Like get a, you know, a, either an in-game purchase you would normally have to pay for or just a different experience within the game itself. I, I mean, who knows? I, I mean, that's a very innovative up and right. industry. I mean, the, one of the most addicting things about Call of Duty is your stats. Right. It's like your progression levels, your stats, how to improve, your kill death ratio. Like, I mean, I remember like being like, I think like 17 playing Call of Duty and looking at this and like, why can't life be like this? Yeah. Show me my progress level. You know, how can I evolve up? Sure. You know, like, what are my stats right now? Like, why can't I have it more, things more quantified, right? Mm-hmm. And because that's addictive. I think you, you take any human, you show them um, their personal record and how to improve and progress towards improvement, and they get addicted. That becomes a feedback tool by itself. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, I think that's super important. And uh, okay, before, before I let you go, I mean, I want to circle back to. Um, the athletic tech summit yes right talk a little bit about that um yeah could you could you explain a little more about the thinking there i know last time we talked a little bit about it yeah yeah um, for sure um so that was a crazy idea that um i co-launched with a with two partners of mine um last summer and the idea around that was could we can could we connect pro athletes with the tech uh, ecosystem in toronto uh, pro athletes wanting to learn more about technology and the business opportunities that are existing there. Uh, and then the tech, tech companies kind of wanting to get connected into some high net worth individuals, influen- influencers, people who could connect them up because uh, we, we know that tech, um, pro athletes have a very vast network of people, right, outside of their sport as well. Um, and so we came together and we said, okay, well, why don't we run a conference? It was pretty successful. Um, we got picked up by pretty much every major news outlet in the country, which was cool. Um, and it grew from there. So we've built out a board of advisors that it consists of business executives as well as athletes. Um, we've since run like athlete founder dinners where we connect athletes to actual tech founders and just kind of see where that ecosystem starts to evolve uh, with conversations. Um, Lately, because of the nature of the way the world's moving, we've been doing Instagram live sessions where every Tuesday at 6 p.m., every Tuesday at 6 p.m., we, uh, we host um, different athletes on our Athlete Tech Summit Instagram page. 
and the idea there is just having conversations around technology how are they going through the pandemic you know what have they been up to how are they staying active healthy you know we talk a lot about you know collaborating via video conference that kind of thing um and yeah we've just been trying to keep that brand alive through different means uh we're looking at doing a digital summit uh, later this year, probably call it early Q3. Um, and the idea there is to kind of digitize the way we did our summit last summer. Similar set, we did a lot of speakers, panels, et cetera. Have, we had a lot of guys from the NBA. We had folks from NHL, um, different sports basically represented. Uh, and we just want to keep that going. Um, our whole goal is to be able to uh, introduce athletes to what the business opportunities exist out there beyond their sport. Um, you know, uh, unless you're like a Steph Curry or a LeBron, the majority of them don't have a, a business team behind them to understand technology and, and what are the opportunities. Um, and so we kind of act as that middle uh, agency to be able to bridge the gap between um, what could be an interesting tech investment or an opportunity to partner with and uh, the actual athlete themselves, um, you know, making those connections happen. So. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's a totally different world. Um, you know, it's another entrepreneurial endeavor on my end that is kind of like my nighttime focus. Um, right. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun doing that as well. Great, great intersection Absolutely. of tech and sports. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things we've seen in the last uh, couple of years is that the ability to run these finance companies, a VC fund or an investment fund that has gone, the costs have gone drastically low. A team of five people can run like a hundred million dollar fund nowadays with all the tech stack available. So we've seen this explosion of these high network individuals who rather than invest into segregated funds or multiple funds, they set up their own. Yeah. And you know, like, and, uh, and if you more than that, if you have name recognition, like Steph Curry, but also like uh, Snoop Dogg has his own BC fund. I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And, and I think, yeah, him partnered with somebody else, has uh, got their name, but uh, it has a VC fund. Everyone and every, everyone, I think, uh, yeah, Will Smith has a VC fund. Yeah, yeah, Raman has a VC fund, right? And they and they co-fund alongside the bigger funds and things like that. But it's interesting to see the availability of capital now, right? The democratization. Yeah. Before it used to be like a, a like a more corporate boarded, like you know, old boys club that kind of ran these kind of funds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where to invest things, but the Cool thing is now all these funds are kind of popping up. More capital has become accessible, but also the ability to access capital has become, become better. Right. Whereas, you know, think about, think about the culture of talking to somebody who worked at Snoop Dogg's VC fund sure. versus going to a traditional VC, right? It makes it seem more open and, open and, and acceptable to a wider range of people. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. But I think what you're trying to talk about more is like, how do you, you conceptualize these athletes to think more about from a, on a business sense, yeah. technology, just technology or startups in, in general? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the athletes we work with uh, are entrepreneurial or have like entrepreneurial tendencies. And so, mm -hmm. uh, and the majority of them are not technology focused at all. But mm -hmm. just the fact that they've got that passion for business and want to do more than what's outside, what, what's inside their sport. Um, that's where we really engage and do well. Um, there's been quite a few good um, connect, connection points we've made with athletes and a few tech startups, um, as well as just helping them navigate, you know, maybe there's an endorsement deal and what to look at and, and 
what might make the most sense for an opportunity for them to um, partner up with a brand. Uh, there's, there's definitely been um, use cases there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the nature of the game is, you know, these athletes are so in tune and so focused on their sport as they should be, right, to be the best athlete and, you know, basketball player, as an example, as they can, uh, that they don't get exposed. This isn't a world that they get exposed to too dramatically. Or if it is, it's pretty traditional. So when we started this, what we saw was the majority of athletes were doing real estate and, and or like a clothing line, right? Like very traditional consumer focused, which stuff they're familiar with, which is fine too, right? I mean, there's definitely yeah. money made there. Um, but then obviously there's like massive opportunities out there, right? And so what we learned, right? There's locker room talk where you hear about a guy who's invested 200K into a startup and all of a sudden that startup's worth like a hundred million dollars and that 200K is going a long way. You know, that, that breeds competition. Uh, you, you're dealing with a very high, highly competitive uh, group of individuals already where they're like, well, how do I get involved in that now, right? And where do I go? And the majority of them don't have the answer for that or don't know where to go and look. And even further, if they find something, is it an actually good opportunity? Is that tech startup something that you should actually put money behind, right? Um, yeah. So we kind of work in a way of trying to uh, alleviate a lot of those questions and do the due diligence up front to ensure that what they're looking at is something that would be viable, something that they would actually want to take their time. And further to that also is something that they're interested in, right? You take for granted, you know, the conversation you and I are having, I'm sure a lot of the times could go over the heads of regular day person, right? Like understanding data and sharing that, all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So also looking at opportunities that make sense for them, you know, uh, common places for that are like, you know, health and training, esports, um, you know, consumer apps around social media, that kind of thing. Um, you know, ensuring that we're tailoring the opportunities or the conversations to things that they'll actually be interested in. That's a huge component of it as well. So, Perfect. That's great. Um, let's wrap this up because it's, it's hitting, we're hitting the hour benchmark. For sure. Um, for AccuHealth, uh, how can people find it um, if they're interested in the product? Yeah, so uh, it's chewhealth.com right now, uh, available on the Fitbit marketplace. Just search up a Chew, A-C-H-U, you'll find it. And then on the iOS platforms, it'll be everywhere as soon as Apple doesn't think we're a COVID app anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're just talking to the review team right now, but I, I don't foresee there being challenges, you know. But yeah, so iOS will be there soon, but for now, Fitbit, ready to go. Is there support yet for Android, Android smartwatches? In the works as well, my friend. Yep, Android will be there probably a lot sooner than everyone thinks as well. Um, you know, definitely before the summertime, we'll have something on Android. So, perfect. I'm looking forward to that. I have a Samsung Gear Three. There you go. I'll check it out. Perfect. Awesome. Android's been great. Um, I'm going to end the episode right right uh, here. Uh, thanks for everyone who tuned in. Um, stick around for a few minutes, and we'll do a debrief. Sounds All good. Right. Cool. Perfect, guys. Thank you.